Welcome to Max and Murphy here on WBAI Radio, 99.5 FM and WBAI.org. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette here on the 21st day of October 2020. She is Farah Soufran Forrest. She's an assembly candidate in Brooklyn, the 57th Assembly District. She's also a nurse, a pennant organizer, and she won the Democratic primary in this district, beating an incumbent, Walter Mosley, in to represent neighborhoods including Fort Greene, Clinton Hill, Prospect Heights, parts of Bed-Stuy and Crown Heights. And we are very happy to be joined by Ms. Soufran Forrest now. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Ben, for having me today. So why don't um, give give folks a little bit of a sense of your background and what brought you to run for office in in the first place uh, in this year's election? Yeah, so I am um, Haitian American, and that is significant because I had a very deep background in activism from a young age. My dad, who was very politically awoke, awake, excuse me, um, used to take me on protests, um, particularly around um, police brutality when Abner Lima um, was brutalized by police officers at a station. Um, I got into this political fight um, because our housing was insecure. Um, we were being trans- we were being transformed from a rent stabilized apartment building to luxury condos and I just knew my landlord would stop at nothing to harass us to make sure we all get kicked out so he can make money off of the units that we have um, inhabited for years. Some of the tenants in the building have lived in the building for over 40, 50 years and I just couldn't stand it. So I formed my tenant association, but I knew I couldn't do um, a lot of the work alone. So I reached out into the community and got in touch with the Crown Heights Tenant Union and organized with them. But um, working in Crown Heights, you just see that the same story is going over and over again. Housing is not a human right, and it should be. And so joining the Housing Justice for All Coalition, um, we're doing trainings around the city and eventually um, participating in demonstrations in Albany that culminated on June 20, 2019. And that final demonstration really just, um, really just the legislators as far as what priority and who they should be um, making sure uh, remain in their homes. And so, that's that. After that demonstration, when you know, for housing, we were being beat up, we were being arrested. I just saw that this was the time to take matters into our hands and make sure we have people like me representing issues that we care about. So, um, say a little bit more about the specifics of what you're fighting for, what you've um, pledged to fight for if elected that helped you to become successful in the Democratic primary for state assembly in Brooklyn in your district. Um, what are some of the sort of top planks, the top um, policy promises, goals that you've made during this campaign? Right. Um, as a nurse, first and foremost, I care about health care. And I believe that health care should be universal and accessible to all. So I am a champion for the New York Health Act and 
specifically talking about universal health care, this idea that it's supposed to be for everyone. Um, housing as a human right um, to expand affordable housing for um, many in the district that are insecure and really adjusting um, not only the stockpile to, to protect rent stabilized units, but extend protection to market rate tenants and um, really adjust the development of new housing and make sure we adjust our um, adjusted median income but basically what is affordable what does that actually what does that number mean um and also mm-hmm. in light of everything the environment we cannot forget that the environment is part of our health and so um we really need a movement for i am part of the movement for a green new deal and making sure that we have a just transition to public power um clean power and making sure that all of that includes green, clean, green union jobs. <laughs> mm-hmm. And other than shifting to public power sources, what what are the things um, in a New York Green New Deal that haven't been passed already? You know, the obviously the Climate uh, Leadership and Protection Act. Uh, that's not the right name, but it's close. They, they the governor and the legislature had different names for it, but. Um, that that law that was passed took significant steps towards um, reducing greenhouse emissions in the state and and creating green jobs. Other than adding uh, the development of of public uh, power sources and the takeover of that utility by uh, by a state government, what what else is missing at this point on that front? Yes, so we do need to halt the formation, well, the creating of new um, fossil fuel infrastructure, um, because we just cannot afford to add more. Um, And we really need to make sure that that happens by 2030. Um, We need to, uh, that's a lot of jobs, right? That's one of the biggest critiques is jobs. And so having a transition from um, people working on pipelines um, and fracking and then transitioning people to green jobs like windmills or um, solar panels um, and making sure those jobs are union jobs. Um, We do see some alliances um, happening uh, across the state where they are lobbying um, legislators to increase green power. But again, it has to be union jobs where the, um, rights of the worker are protected. Right. So interesting focus on the economic side of the, of the green new deal, which obviously goes hand in hand with some of the environmental and and climate regulations that will be involved. So uh, we get a little bit of a sense there of of your platform, your background, your, your, some of your reasons for getting involved in organizing and, and uh, public policy fights, but why take on the incumbent that you challenge Walter Mosley, a Democrat, you know, pretty much, I think, typically seen as a pretty solid liberal Democrat from Brooklyn. Um, why did you decide to take him on? What was what was he failing to do in your mind that, that you decided, I need to unseat this incumbent? So one of the centers of my um, platform is, of course, um, people before profits. And I took that pledge to make sure I represent people very serious to the point where I wouldn't even take um, real estate or corporate 
um, donations. And one of the things that he has gone on record saying is that his contributions to his campaign does not affect his vote. But let's be honest, um, you are what you eat. And so if you're eating out of real estate developers' hands, if you're um, eating out of corporations' hands, it's very clear that, you know, you're living in a rapidly gentrifying um, district and you don't speak on it. You don't stand up. You're not an advocate. I'll tell you something. Um, on the day that we got arrested um, in Albany at the, in front of the assembly, the assembly hall, I guess you could call it, um, there, he was not with us. There was one elected official that was standing with us who wasn't getting arrested, but she was with us. Um, but I'll tell you, he was standing on the side with his arms crossed, housing the human rights is not a spectator sport and it's, it's not enough to just sign on bills. You have to be a champion for bills. You have to advocate for bills. You have to fight like your life depends on it. I'm a tenant. I fight because my life depends on it. The life of my family depends on it. And that's the difference between him and I. Hmm, interesting. Um, and so as you got going in the campaign, uh, you started to accrue endorsements. You have the backing of the New York City branch of the Democratic Socialists of America. You're sort of part of a of a small but very successful slate of candidates um, for state legislature backed by the DSA. What, what's going on there? What's the what's the sort of shift in power in the legislature that that group is hoping to Effect. Um, very simply, uh, we want more transparency. We want accountability. Um, in addition, we do share pretty much the same priorities. But to you know, when we boil it down to put putting, making sure that the people that we represent are actually with us. And so it was super important for us to make sure not only are we elected um, as individuals, but we we get elected along with the coalitions that um, we fought we fought with day in day out. Um, and so that's what we're see- we want it to, to be very clear that this is not business as usual. All of us didn't take corporate money. All of us didn't take real estate dollars. All of us um, are working people. Um, We had two union um, members. All of us had strong um, activism in housing, which is, you know, what we see now. Housing is everything. And so we want to bring that just by being us, bring it also to Albany and send a clear message that... Time to work for the people. And and you're part of, you know, again, going back to this idea that you you took on an unseated incumbent and that happened in other races, too, here. Um, The the state assembly speaker, Carl Hasty of the Bronx, uh, wound up, you know, having meetings with a lot of the primary winners. You, You met with him, correct? Yes, I did. So how did that go? I mean, how, how's, how's the how's the sort of um, process of of defeating an incumbent part of the Democratic conference, and then you know going to meet with the speaker who obviously backed his his member there? 
Um, how'd that conversation go? And, and do you have hopes coming out of it that, you know, some of the platform that you ran on will is resonating with the speaker and he's, he's seeing the momentum behind your platform and, and the platform of the other uh, sort of members that won their primaries? Oh, my conversation um, with Mr. Hasty was very, um, actually, it was very pleasant. I, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, to the outside, um, it might seem like, oh, here is the anti-establishment candidate speaking to someone who's very much, you know, part of the, who's the head, right? Um, but it, I think it was actually very good to talk about our priorities to talk about housing and where we meet and where we might diverge. But I think that my conversation with Carl was um, very uh, positive in the sense that it would model some of the conversations that I'll have with other elected officials. And um, at the end of the day, we have our districts to represent. And so my district has spoken. So I'm here now. So. Mm-hmm. What do you see as the as the sort of biggest sticking points within the Democratic Conference of the Assembly? Forget even having to bring the state Senate along, which can be a, a bit, well, in some cases can be a bit more moderate than the Assembly Conference, although some of that depends on the issue. But um, in the Assembly Conference itself, what do you see as some of the sort of sticking point policies that you really want to try to get the conference over the hump on? There's there's things that the state Assembly Democrats passed before the Senate swung to Democrats that then didn't move when the whole legislature was Democratic, mm-hmm. for example, the first policy you noted, the New York Health Act. Um, but what are what are a couple policies that you hope to help move the state assembly on uh, in the coming session next year if, if you are successful in the general election? Mm-hmm. Um, I really would like to see, um, after the uh, last writ laws came, uh, were passed. We had eight out of nine, and the last one was the good cause eviction um, bill. And I, in light of a pandemic where many people are without jobs and, you know, rent cancellation, that's real. You know, eviction moratorium, that's real. It's something that would literally save people's lives because we know if you're evicted right now, you are exposed to COVID because you're outside in the elements. So, to good to see good cause eviction passed to see um, um, uh, Assemblywoman Yulene and um, new and um, State Senator Julia Salazar's uh, rent cancellation bill that to go through that would be um, the difference between people surviving this pandemic and submitting uh, succumbing to it and so um, that's not an upstate versus downstate thing. This is people across the state that needs to be, that need to be protected in there and be kept in their homes. So that's one policy I hope we get together on. And on the New York health act, do you, what do you see as the, as the status of that? You know, there's some people who uh, have argued that, um, you know, the pandemic and, and both, both there being a pandemic period, but also the fact that we saw so much loss of, employment and employment is so often the source of people's health insurance that, you know, the pandemic has given a lot of reason to, um, to push ahead with the New York health act for single payer health care. 
On the other side, people have said, you know, with the disruption to the state state finances and and the state budget and state government, there's really no path uh, anytime soon to try to move something that monumental along. What do you think? I mean, obviously you want it to be passed, but what do you think about sort of the politics of it and the landscape? Um, I think that there's um, um, false uh, statement. Not statement. How can I say this? Um, there's some rules that we're sticking to that aren't just aren't real. Um, a spending cap isn't real. The uh, inability to raise revenue isn't real. We have a pandemic where millions, of thousands, excuse me, have lost millions. I can even say that. Yeah, millions have lost their jobs or become underinsured. Um, but yet we have 126 billionaires living in New York City that made billions during a pandemic. So money is being made. It's just people aren't getting any of it. And some people are getting all of it. And so it's really, I think, as legislators to really look at the budget to tackle it on and um, spread some equity where we have a sort of budget justice, where we, we instill justice into this budget, where we have people um, paying their fair share, um, the Jeff Bezos out there, please pay your share. Um, so that way, you know, we can make sure that everybody eats, everybody lives. Hmm. And um, how, how, how do you sort of think about Governor Cuomo in this picture of where, you know, something, again, politics like you're talking about, whether it's the New York Health Act or raising taxes on the, the wealthiest, the highest earners, how do you think about where Governor Cuomo comes into this picture and, and the kind of, um, you know, balance within the Democratic Party that's happening or, or will continue to be debated going forward? Mm-hmm. I definitely see um, Governor Cuomo as a, a bottom line kind of guy, um, systems kind of guy. But at the end of the day, the bottom line can't be about profits. It really needs to be about people. And so um, I hope in the 2021 um, session that we can really look at, at the bottom, at the end of the day, um, we have constituents to, um, you know, we have constituents that we need to be um, held accountable to. And so hopefully that will encourage him to see that, you know, focusing on the few um, and sacrificing the many is just not good policy. And in our last uh, two minutes here, your opponent, uh, Assemblymember Walter Mosley, you defeated in the Democratic primary, but he had gotten the ballot line, the endorsement of the Working Families Party. He continues to have that ballot line, but the WFP then endorsed you after you won the Democratic primary. What's going on there and how should voters understand that the WFP uh, gave him their endorsement, gave him their ballot line, but now want voters to to vote for you? Yes. Um, what 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 do I want? Th- what is it important for the voters to understand? Well, what, should voters, what should voters understand about this? I mean, it seems a little bit confusing. If, if you know, if I wasn't someone who covered politics for a living and was focusing on this every day, I'd be confused about how uh, a political party, you know, gave someone their their endorsement, their ballot line, and then uh, you know saw the results of a different party's primary and, and changed the endorsement. But I guess just in your mind, what happened here on the on the on the on him continuing with this campaign. Oh, um, I think 
I don't know. I don't know why he would even go there. I don't. I don't. I'm. I'm not in the mind of uh, Mr. Mosley. Um, but I do understand that you know um, WFP does recognize that as a community leader that I can be uh, trusted to work not only for the community but to represent the I, the the ideals of WFP. So. Um, it's not the first time this has happened. It has happened with AOC versus Chloe. So, I mean, if it was worked out then and we're going to work it out now, people understand, please vote for Sarah, Sufran Forrest on the Democratic Party line and vote for Joe Biden and Kamala uh, Harris on the WFP line. We need to preserve the line. Um, you know, as long as we educate and talk to voters, they'll, they'll get it. They understand with it. Okay, very good. So um, <laughs> we're going to have to leave it there, but we look forward to talking with you more uh, either uh, between uh, election day and the new session or uh, sometime thereafter. But uh, Farah Soufran Forrest, thank you for the time and, and best of luck on the campaign trail. Thank you, Ben. Have a great evening. Take care.